Greenhall was right about me having police contacts. I'd carefully cultivated a few over recent years, getting back the relationships lost or strained in a couple of messy cases, and making one or two new ones. Apart from my long-standing friendship with Frank Parker, formerly a deputy commissioner and now retired, these associations were always uneasy. Some were simply spin-offs from the friendship with Parker, a respected, even revered figure. Others were just what you might call drinking acquaintances. It was now late on a Wednesday afternoon, a time when, like most people, cops are winding down and looking forward to their first drink. Some, no doubt, had already had their first, if not their second. I pulled myself a glass of red wine and washed down some of the medication I'd have to take for the rest of my life, after my heart attack and quadruple bypass. It wasn't the recommended way to take the pills, but my cardiologist said red wine in moderation was good for the ticker. He didn't say anything about white wine, beer or scotch. I had mobile numbers for the cops I knew, and over the next hour or so, and two glasses, I got through to all but one of them with two simple questions. Who would have been present following the Greenhall suicide, and did they have any leads on who supplied the gun? The reaction surprised and puzzled me. None of them was willing to talk to me once I'd mentioned a gun. They pretended the call was breaking up or said they were busy and would call me back. It was a blue and white checked dead end. Very frustrating. I rang Frank Parker and got his wife Hilda. I'd brought them together. I was anti-godfather to their son Peter and anti-grand-godfather to Peter's twins. Apart from my connection to my daughter Megan, her partner Hank and my grandsons Ben and Jack, it was my closest set of relationships, but one I'd neglected a bit lately in favour of my own family. "'Hello, Cliff,' Hilda said, her voice still German-accented after decades in the country. "'We've not seen you for some time.' "'Yes, yeah, sorry, one thing and another.' You sound stressed. How's your heart? Fuck my heart, I thought. Just get me frank. But I said something polite and meaningless. Cliff, Frank said when he came on the line, what's the trouble? Why does there have to be trouble? Hilda said you sounded stressed. Just angry, I said. I've been getting the run around. I took a deep breath and gave Frank an outline of what I'd been hired to look into and the reception I'd had from my police contacts. I didn't expect them to pour out their hearts, Frank, but I thought I might get a name or a point in the right direction, at least. I heard what sounded like a long, exasperated sigh before Frank spoke again. Can't talk about this on the phone, mate. You'd better come over here. When? Soon as you can. It was getting late, and with two sizable glasses of wine inside me, I didn't fancy driving to Frank's place in Paddington. I told him I'd be there mid-morning. There are many things I'm unsure of, but I'm as sure as I know the sun will come up that Frank Parker never took a dishonest dollar in his forty years of police service. It just wasn't in his nature to do it, which is not to say that he'd always played by the book. In the old days he'd probably committed his share of physical violence and used threats and intimidation. His friendship with me hadn't helped his career, but his honesty, energy and success rate had overcome that disability. In his retirement, he was regularly consulted for advice by serving police. I had these thoughts as I walked from Piermont to Glebe. I enjoyed the walk to and from the office on days I wasn't expecting to be driving anywhere, especially on a mild spring night like this. It gave me time to think, 
and helped keep my weight down. The fish market was doing a roaring trade, and I bought some dory fillets to cook for dinner. I answered the knock at the front door at around 7am. I'd slept for almost seven hours. Pretty good these days, when I seemed to sleep less than when I was younger. I was in pyjamas and a dressing gown, and had been about to make coffee. Cliff Hardy? There were two men at the door. The one who'd spoken wasn't in uniform. The other one was, and it didn't belong to the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, or St. John's Ambulance. Yes, I said. Let's see the warrant card. He took out his wallet, flipped it open, and held it close enough for me to read. Detective Sergeant Stuart McLean, I read. He pronounced it the Scottish way. McLean. I looked over his shoulder. Not hard to do, because he was only about 175 centimetres tall.